Let's turn to Genesis chapter 4 as we continue in Genesis. We spent a lot of time in chapters 1, 2, and 3 diving into a lot of detail, uh, but obviously since there's 50 chapters in Genesis, we're not going to be able to do that with all of them. So uh, we're going to move a little quicker, I think, and uh, that means that we're going to do a whole chapter today, but obviously we're not going to be able to talk about everything in the chapter, uh, but there's some good stuff in here that I want to bring to our attention, uh, but we need to read it together just a moment. Let me remind you that as we read the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament is different from other, it is history, it is actual history, however, it's a little different than the history books you read in school or uh, college. Um, it doesn't tell us everything that typical history books uh, tell us or that we'd like to know because this is a particular kind of history uh, that the Bible is telling and that's we, what we call the history of redemption. And it's the history of how God uh, has reconciled himself to his people so that he can dwell with them as his people and he can be their God forever and ever. Um, so it's the details that we're given are focused on that part of the story of what God is doing, on how he redeems his people. So just keep that in mind as we begin through the rest of Genesis. Would you stand with me? Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. This will give you an opportunity to stretch your legs for a moment. Um, hear the word of the God who loves you so much. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Not so. 
If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of that city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad fathered Mahuya, <laughs> the old country preacher says, if you don't know how to say it, just say it loud and confidently. Nobody else knows either. Uh, Mahuyael, and Mahuyael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech, and Lamech two wives, took two wives. And the name of, of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Ada bore J- Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Nema. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, would you help us? Um, as we look at a portion of this and think together about what you would have to say to us, how you would encourage and exhort us this morning, uh, please help. Um, help the preacher, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm assuming you're here this morning because you want to know Jesus better. Yes, me too. And if you want to know Jesus better, you have to read the Old Testament. Who says? Jesus said it. Jesus said that the Old Testament tells you a whole lot about him. Um, He said... uh, after his resurrection to his disciples, that in all the scriptures, uh, Moses wrote about the things concerning him, Jesus. Later that night, he was with the disciples, and he said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, which is where we are, and the prophets and the Psalms, so he, he covered the entire Old Testament, that everything written about me must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And the scriptures at that time was the Old Testament. So in order for us to know Jesus better, we've got to spend time in the Old Testament. And that's what we've been doing with Genesis. Um, Because Jesus is the hero of the Old Testament. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to see you as the hero 
every time we're in Genesis together in the coming months. Help us to see you, Jesus, because you said you're there. You said these scriptures are all about you. Open our minds as you open the minds of your disciples so that we might understand who you are in Genesis. Amen. So this morning, I want to try to help us. And one of those things, as I thought about this, um, I was particularly thinking of my younger friends, um, our kids, our students, um, and then perhaps anyone who may be new to the Bible, who hasn't um, been around it very much. There's, there's a danger that people encounter when they get into the Old Testament. And I want to I warn you about that danger. Um, it's what uh, Brian Chappell calls the killer bees. These killer bees will hinder you from seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And what do I mean by that? Well, he says they're these three bees. Be like, be good, and be disciplined. Be like, be good, and be disciplined. When you read a story like the story about Cain and Abel, um, I think most of us immediately start to try to look for ourselves in the story. What do, what do I need to do? Uh, do, I, I, do I need to be like Abel? Yeah, as I read about Abel, that, that seems to make sense. I want to be like him. But I don't want to be like Cain, apparently. That's not good. So there's, there's this be like. Uh, be like the good one, don't be like the bad one. Well, that leads to the be good, uh, killer bee. You know, that we tend to read about all these people in the Old Testament, and that's what we're going to start doing. We're going to look at character after character after character. And the tendency is going to be for us to say, well, how should I be like that person? How should I be good the way they're good? And the third one, be disciplined, is just how how do I buckle down to be more like them and to be gooder? (laughs) Um, Those killer bees will keep you from seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And so I want to warn us about that this morning. And many of you know this already. But I think there are some in the room, particularly our children, who, who are going to struggle with this as they read the Old Testament. And, and parents, we need to pay attention to how, when we're reading Old Testament stories, or even New Testament stories, uh, with our children, that we don't fall into the trap of only saying, you need to be like this person and don't be like that person. And let me say this, Dr. Chappell goes on and says, it's, it's not that being like some of these folks is all that horrible. Be like the good parts of them. And it's not that being good is not wrong. God wants us to be good, and he wants us to be disciplined. It's just that staying there, it's not enough. Um, we don't want to teach our children to be like these people without also teaching them how to have the resources that they had to be that way. Um, And their resource was their God. So, hang with me. We're going to get into this. The story of uh, Cain and Abel is a great place for us to learn this lesson and this way of reading the Old Testament. 
Um, someone has said that the Bible is not a book about great people of God. It's a book about a great God of people. And that's the approach we want to take. Um, now, having said that, somebody in here might be, uh, might be sharp and remember that First John 3, it, John tells us not to be like Cain. Listen to what he says. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So you're like, well, the apostle seems to be telling us not to be like Cain and by inference to be more like the righteous, his righteous brother. So what I'd like us to do for a few minutes is to think about Abel and Cain and to think about what it might mean to be like Abel and not be like Cain. But then we're going to go further than that. So let's look at this together. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 4. And let's look at this story again. So Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain a worker of the ground. They both brought an offering to the Lord. Cain of the fruit of the ground, Abel of the firstborn and the fat portions of his flock. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. So Cain was angry and his face fell. Fell. One of the things that has always stumped me, and I think is probably one of the questions you have, is so why did God have regard for Abel and his offering and not Cain and his offering? Well, there are, you're not the only one baffled by this. Uh, Bible scholars are baffled. There's about five different kinds of explanations for it. Um, and I, I want to tell you what they are because they're probably the ones that are going through your head or you've heard, and I think they'll get us to what I think is probably the best answer. So, one answer that we can just dismiss outright is, and but Bible scholars have said this, God prefers shepherds to gardeners. <laughs> what? Um, go back to Genesis 1 and 2. God told Adam to do both of those things, have dominion over all the creatures, and to work and keep the garden, okay? So that's not it. Um, One answer is that animal sacrifice is better than a grain or produce sacrifice. Well, we know later in Moses' writings in the law, the laws about worship, both um, animal sacrifices and grain offerings Offerings of produce are commanded in the law. So that's not it. The third one, and this one um, has some merit to it, that it's the quality of their gifts. But I don't think it's clear enough in these verses that that's what it is. But it does say that um, Abel brought the firstborn and the fat portions. So he brought the best of the best of his flock. Now, and it doesn't say that about Cain's offering, about whatever 
Um, it doesn't say he brought the first fruits of his produce or his crops. Um, but it also doesn't say that what he brought wasn't good. So, um, and as one commentator said, it could be that the time that they brought it wasn't the season for him to bring first fruits, maybe. But it also says in these verses that the Lord had regard for Abel and his sacrifice, and no regard for Cain and his sacrifice. So that sounds like it's something about the person and not necessarily the sacrifice. So I'm, I'm not sold on that it was the quality of their gifts that made the difference. Uh, a fourth way of thinking about it, some folks just say, well, we don't know why God had regard for one or the other. God has mercy on whom he has mercy. And this is the first in a pattern of God choosing the younger over the older. Uh, we're going to see that happen where God chooses Jacob over Esau, Joseph over his brothers, David over his brothers. So now that one is part of it because, yes, God will have mercy on whom he has mercy. Um, so that may be in the background, but ultimately we have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. And so are there other places in the whole Bible that give us clues uh, to why God had regard for Abel and his offering, and not for Cain and his. And we read it earlier this morning, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith. And there's something to do, something to do <clears throat> with Abel's heart. With Abel's heart toward God. Um... And we know, <clears throat> continuing to let Scripture interpret Scripture, the story goes on, and we find out. We find out what Cain's heart was like <clears throat> because of how he responded to not being accepted. Abel came with a heart of faith in God, with his offering, and Cain did not. Cain's heart was hard. Um, it reminds me of a story that Charles Spurgeon used to tell about a carrot farmer who loved his king so much that he decided to grow the biggest and best carrot he could. And one day he harvested that carrot and he brought it with love and joy and presented it to his king. And the king was so delighted. Apparently the king liked carrot cake. I don't know, but he was so delighted. And he took it and received it. And he gave that farmer many, many acres, many, many fields of the king's fields and said, grow me more carrots. And he blessed him and gave him wealth and servants and help. Uh, one of the king's noblemen was in the courtroom that day, in the throne room that day, and he saw that and he said, hmm, this is interesting. This nobleman happened to be uh, one who uh, reared horses, um, and he had a horse farm. And so 
he went and picked his best and strongest and most beautiful stallion, dressed it up in all of its gear, brought it to the king, said, my king, here's your horse. And the king would not accept the gift and sent him away and demoted him. And, of course, the nobleman became angry. He said, well, this farmer brings you a carrot, and you give him more land, and you give him a, a, a promotion, and you make him wealthy. But I, I brought you my finest horse. The horse is surely better than a carrot. The king looked at his nobleman and said, uh, the farmer gave me a carrot, but you gave yourself a horse. I think that's a great description of the difference between Abel's offering and Cain's. According to Hebrews 11, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Um, and so, still, though, we still haven't dealt with the question, so I need to be like Abel. So now you're saying I need to have a heart of faith. Absolutely. I don't think it's wrong for us to, to say we need to offer God our worship and our service and ourselves with, from the heart, from a heart that loves him and trusts him. Absolutely. Um, so we should be like Abel. But let me ask you, are you consistent in doing that? Do you always offer your worship and your service uh, and these guys were, this is particularly from their vocation. Do you always in your vocation offer God service from a heart that loves him and trusts him? I'm sure you do it much of the time, but do you do it all of the time? See, even when we say, be like Abel, um, there's limits to that. You, you can't. But what about don't be like Cain? I think there's some good wisdom for not being like Cain here, too. Um, let's, let's look at the passage. Uh, Cain's offering was not regarded. So he was angry, and his face fell. That's a sign of, uh, uh, you know how they say, uh, depression can, can be anger toward inward. He, he just had this sullen face because of his anger at God and his anger at not being accepted. It was a proof of this heart problem. And so God, look how gracious God is throughout the story. God comes to Cain and asks him a question. He says, why? Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? And, and God offers him an opportunity to express his heart and to confess it to him. That's so gracious of God to do that in verse 6. Then in verse 7, God offers Cain the opportunity to turn to him. He warns him, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It's ready to, he's describing an animal that's ready to pounce and destroy. Cain, sin is ready to pounce on you. I'm giving you this opportunity to turn to me and repent. And Cain doesn't do it. In verse 8, he hardens his heart and kills his brother. And in verse 9, God offers him another opportunity for confession. Um, 
The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He's given him a chance to say, okay, Lord, yes, I, you know where he is. I know where he is. I've killed him. He gave him that opportunity. But Cain hardens his heart toward God. He lies to him. And I can't help but read this with, with I mean, if you've been a parent long enough, you know the tone of what Cain is saying here. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Um, his heart toward God is even harder. He lies toward God to say he doesn't know where he is, and he re refuses God's command. When he says, am I my brother's keeper? That keeper word is the same word that God used for Adam when he said, he put him in the garden and he said, Work it and keep it. Guard it. It was, are you your brother's keeper? Yes, because the Lord God who created you told you to guard what's in this garden, to keep what's in this garden. And so his heart is not only hardened by lying to God, he's resistant and he has already disobeyed God's command to keep and guard not a plant, but his own brother his own brother. So sad. And after God had graciously given him opportunity after opportunity to repent, to soften his heart and to, to say to God, no, I'm sorry. I haven't worshipped you. My, I've worshipped you with my offerings, but my heart was far from you. Um, he says no. And so God pronounces the guilty verdict in verse 10. And he gives the sentence in verses 11 and 12. And so, yes, I would, I would read this with my children and say, and I would read this with any of you and say, no, let's not be like Cain. When we sin, when our hearts get hard against God, and he gives us opportunities to turn, do it. Take the opportunity, repent, soften your heart. He gives you Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity before he pronounces judgment. The Proverbs say um, that one who stiffens their heart against God will suddenly be broken in two. And this is what happened with Cain. God gave him the opportunity, but he continued to stiffen his heart until God broke him. So, there's a lot of value in saying, be like Abel. Worship and serve the Lord from your heart, from a heart of faith in him. There's a lot of value in saying, be like, don't be like Cain, because we don't want to be like that. We want to have a heart that's tender toward God, not hard. Um, but the reason this story is in the Bible is for more than that. The reason it's there is because I am, when I read this, I recognize myself in Cain. I am just like him. And I don't recognize myself in Abel. I can't be him. And so I am left, like they are left, with a need for someone to rescue me. It's interesting that Eve, uh, when she gave birth to Cain, she said, I have 
gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And scholars believe that what Eve is saying there is, remember Genesis 3.15, that he promised one of your offspring, Eve, will crush the head of the serpent while he is bruised on his heel. So they are already looking for this one, for this offspring of Eve, who will undo what Adam and Eve had done and the serpent had done. And so here's the first one. Is it, is it Cain? Is it him? And his, his name sounds like the word for gotten. I've, I've received the one, Eve is saying. Is this the one? Is this the one? And then she has another son, Abel. Maybe it's him. Maybe he's the one. And what this story tells us is it's neither one. Neither the unrighteous one nor the righteous one is the one who can ultimately undo what Adam and Eve have done and crush the head of the serpent and save God's people. And so when I read this story, I have to come to the same conclusion. (laughs) I'm not the one either. There's another one. And the story is there to point us to Jesus. Because Jesus is what Abel was meant to be. And Jesus undoes what Cain has done. Let's think about that and then we'll be done. We are like Cain, but Jesus did for us all that Cain refused to do. Cain offered worship to God, but his heart was far from God, and his heart was hard toward God. But Jesus offered his life as worship to God from a heart that trusted his Father. 